0: Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode.
1: So, Shui, we've got to talk about the biggest news in world basketball at the moment. Team USA, with a total NBA bill of $3.4 billion, who had previously only lost two exhibition games in 10,581 days, have now added another two in 48-ish hours, and another one to the Aussies.
0: Yeah, second time we've beaten them ever. Crazy. Absolutely amazing.
1: They're losing their shit in America over this (laughs) too.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what, if they'd lost to Argentina, the place would have been been big problems. But yeah, it's uh, it's easy to forget that the USA actually beat Nigeria by 83 points at the London Olympics in 2012. I saw that. Yeah, I
1: saw that screenshot.
0: Now, okay, given this was a team that had LeBron James, pre-injury Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony went 10 of 12 on threes in that game. I think it was something like
1: 37 points in 14 minutes.
0: Yeah, it was just stupid. Yeah. But the rest of the world has started to catch up.
1: Yep. So it all started with a loss to Nigeria. And, hey, very athletic team. Have some NBA players like Precious Achuya. Have a former championship winning coach in Mike Brown.
0: And coach of the year in 2009.
1: So fantastic effort by the Nigerian team. And they'll be primed heading into the Olympics very soon.
0: Well, I mean, they've got Josh Okogie as well. They've got Gabe Vincent, who's been with Miami for a couple of years now as well. This was a really interesting game. So... Basically, the reason that the Nigerians were able to win this, 20 and 42 from three. Yeah, it was huge. Which is ridiculous. I think it might have kind of been one of those flash in the pan sort of, you know, lightning in a bottle sort of games for them.
1: I thought that too until they smashed Argentina.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, they're definitely not quite that good a shooting team. They do have a couple of guys who are very, very good. Vincent is is a superb shooter. Uh, They've got guys like Caleb Agata, who is a sensational shooter as well when you leave him open. Oh, he played very well but it was the driving dish they were basically getting into the paint at will and just kicking out to these wide open shooters and I think the, the problem for the United States is that a lot of these guys if you look at players like Jeremy Grant and Zach Levine Draymond Green these guys haven't played for a couple of months
1: Yep, so, that's true well and they'd only been together for four days prior to that match
0: yeah so, so, so we often talk about the chemistry and a lot of people think that that only really applies to the offensive end but the defensive chemistry oh, course, is, absolutely. is massive yeah yeah that's what we saw in that game especially
1: when there's more zone as well which some nba players aren't as used to there's no defensive three seconds in the key yep
0: they're not used to playing yeah different types of defense and that is why they got so many great shots and
1: and and also the stars don't get the fouls you know you get breathed on in the nba as a superstar and you're going to the line that is not going to happen in FIBA play and and that's an adjustment for these players. the other thing that really impressed me about nigeria is they kind of bucked the conventional wisdom so the idea of beating us is slow it down, limit possessions, hope you'll shoot better. Now, they did shoot better, but they actually tried to get out on the break as much as they could and really use their athleticism to their advantage, which was a bold strategy, but one that paid off.
0: Well, it's not often that you see teams that are more athletic than the Americans, but for the vast majority of the Nigerian team, they are super bouncy. Yeah, blocking
1: like... shots, throwing down dunks, running the floor like gazelles it was fantastic.
0: Yep. That's it. And, yeah, we've already mentioned Josh Akogi. Like He is a sensational defensive player. He's one of those guys that you feel will probably be an all-defensive player in the NBA at some stage. They had a couple of
1: lockdown guys, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, it, it was really, really crazy. And then, obviously, it got crazier a couple of nights later when the Aussies knocked them off the same way
1: and and the americans would have been primed like they were embarrassed by nigeria Mm. so they would have been really up for the challenge which is what makes the australian victory even more impressive can i tell you just quickly with nigeria that i found impressive Mm. there was no jumping in the center court celebrating like they'd won gold they (laughs) it was almost like they lost yeah they shook hands walked off the court they were all business that's really impressive.
0: And to be fair, I think the Aussies did a fairly similar job. There wasn't a whole heap no, of, there wasn't, of that no. as well. And we, and
1: we have beaten them before. But mm. uh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah.
0: But like the Aussies, yeah, they didn't go 20 of 42, but they went 10, no. 10 of 24. I mean, that's still 42%, which yep. is. Considered an elite percentage. You know, okay, the line's a little bit shorter, but...
1: And this was without Aaron Baines for a significant portion of the game.
0: Yeah, so he went down after about three minutes. Yeah. I bumped knees with Damien Lillard, so... I hope it was precautionary they took him out. It's... Yeah, I think it was probably more of a stinger. Yeah. But then that led to other guys getting their opportunities. Landale played extra minutes. Nick Kay played a lot of minutes. do, do up wreath that up
1: game. do up wreath yep.
0: He is, yeah. He's a beast. He's a beast. He's got such good range as well. He's
1: got an NBA body too.
0: He really does. I don't know if he has an NBA
1: game, but he's got an NBA body.
0: Hmm. So there there were a lot of those things. Look, it has to be said the Americans are missing three really good players. Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton still playing in the NBA Finals. Yes. So they are missing a lot of offense. And look, those guys are very good defenders. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday in particular are First class defenders.
1: Well, the, and the thing, the other important thing there for me is not just even the offense and defense, it's about roles. So the two most important players for me in Team USA are Draymond Green and Drew Holiday because they're happy with a non star role. Yep. They'll play really great defense. They'll play the team game. They'll distribute. They'll do the dirty work that other players might not be prepared to do. So Drew Holiday is a big player to come into that team.
0: And to an extent, you could almost put Kevin Love in the same basket because he's not a guy who's expecting them to be throwing lobs for no, He's probably
1: just happy to be there, let's face it.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Probably yeah. shouldn't be. But he'll be a guy that will happily get in there and mix it up and draw the contact, get rebounds, all that sort of stuff. So, And
1: yes, there's a lot of players. There's no LeBron. There's no Steph. There are players missing. But make no mistake. Durant, Lillard, Draymond Green, Bradley Beal. Excellent player. This is not a poor team. No. This is not a poor roster.
0: So, look, I think the two losses will motivate them. I dare say they'll probably up their game as they get into the tournament. They did absolutely pants Argentina today, beaten by, I think, 28 points. Well,
1: Argentina come out of it 0-3. They're looking the worst out of anyone, aren't they?
0: Well, their star player is Luis Scholar, who's 41.
1: And he played exceptionally well against Australia, didn't he? He, he
0: did. But yeah. you've also got to remember this is... a a two-week tournament so he will get tired if he's having to play 30-35 minutes a game to keep the Argentinians even close so yeah it's it's not looking great from a team that's maybe not looking great though we do have to talk about our own team yes yeah yeah look you would not have imagined that we would be the undefeated team after those three games oh
1: perfect preparation especially given we rested so many blokes today
0: yeah, well, that's it. We destroyed Nigeria by 39 without Paddy Mills, Matthew Delavadova, Aaron Baines, and Joe Engles.
1: Yeah. so and Josh Giddy got a run, which is really great.
0: Yeah. So Josh Giddy played some great ball. Nick Kay again came in. Chris Goulding shot the lights out. Seven of yeah, seven yeah. for twenty one points. Yeah. So if you look at, I guess, the two real keys to to this win, the ball movement, twenty-seven assists on thirty-six field goals, and the three point shooting. Eighteen of twenty nine. Wow. That is 62%. So. And then
1: across the three games, the defense was magnificent.
0: Yeah. The thing that I've noticed with this, this boomer side is it's the most athletic boomer side I've seen. Yeah, fair. Yep. So you think back to the the ones that we're used to seeing in our childhood. So like the 96 Yeah, guys like
1: Pat Reedy and guys that are very handy, but yeah. they're not going to set the world alight with their athleticism.
0: Well, I mean, Andrew Gaze, yeah, well, Scott him, Fisher, yeah. Andrew Walhoff. Yeah. These guys were great players, but they weren't that athletic.
1: Phil Smythe. Yeah. Ray Borner. Ray
0: yeah. <laughs> the, the, the list goes on. But if you look at the guys that are on this side, Matisse Thibault Josh Green, oh, we've got to talk Exen. about
1: Thibault He looked sensational. Yeah. Sensational at both ends of the floor. He's knocking down threes. Wow.
0: I, I did not realise how athletic he is as well, like how how much he does get oh yeah
1: he's bouncy like, and i saw a great tweet that said well at least one of the 76ers cards <laughs> is improving their game <laughs> in the offseason
0: <laughs> well this is the thing the commentators were all saying if he has actually added that to his game and admittedly oh, look, yeah. the three point line is shorter in favor but
1: well the corners are still the corners aren't they
0: this is very true yeah but yeah, this is what I'm what I'm noticing is that these guys are playing the passing lanes really well. There's a ton of deflections. They're rotating quickly. They're helping the helper. And, and
1: that defensive chemistry that you talked about is clear. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can just see that guys actually want to win for each other.
1: And it's also one of those things where they put on the yellow jersey and they play better. Yep. There's so many blokes that that jersey just lifts them. Mm. You know, Paddy Mills being the obvious example of that. He would have loved beating Pop, his coach.
0: Oh, he just – he turns he turns into Steph Curry. Yeah, he does a I've little I've heard bit. a number of people yeah. say this. But, yeah, look, even guys like Nathan Sobey, who would ordinarily be one of the last men off the bench, he came in playing with confidence, going at guys, hitting shots, you know, getting after guys on defence. So Which yeah. is good
1: after looking a little bit out of his depth earlier, to be honest. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, look, I think after all of this, the Australians have to really feel like it's not just a case of going after There's A medal. Oh, dist-
1: that, that gold medal mentality. They have to have it.
0: There is a distinct possibility they that absolutely it is, have to it have is attainable.
1: It. And I've got to say, look, I've been a little bit harsh on Exum and over but Delhi set a huge screen on that Paddy Mills three. A lot of people wouldn't have noticed that, but that was a massive screen on a bigger guy. That's a big reason why Paddy even had that shot. And Exum's looked pretty good too. So, yeah, yeah even those guys I was a bit worried about are playing superbly well. Can I just finish with a funny tweet, Stewie, by mm-hmm. Ryan Rossillo? Yeah. And I tend to agree with him a lot. I do like Ryan Russillo. If an NBA team with a starting five of KD, Lillard, Tatum, Beal, Draymond played another NBA team of Patty Mills, over Ingles, Thiable, number 15.
0: Nick <laughs> K. <laughs> in a
1: seven-game series, no one would pick anything but a sweep.
0: Number 15. A legitimate question. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great... That actually points out, though, how much of a chasm there is between those two teams. Yeah,
1: like, yeah. Well, and the benches. Yeah. Un-
0: unknown player, number fifteen.
1: Legitimate question. Could you see Nick Kay as a guy that could play in the NBA?
0: <sighs> I mean, he kind of fits the same bill to an extent, as John Mooney, yeah. where he is a guy who rebounds well, he shoots pretty well to a certain distance out.
1: Blue collar, will get the rebounds. you know. Doesn't rely on athleticism. Dirty work, yeah. yep.
0: I think, if anything, he probably has a little bit more of a, if you throw the ball into me, I can face up and get to my spot a little bit better because um, he is a bigger body.
1: But a lot of these role players, coaches want guys that don't want to be the star. Mm. They want guys that don't need the ball. Yeah. So I think he's a guy that could potentially help a team. I don't know. Uh, maybe sure. I'm a homer here, but
0: no, no. But he did some really great things today. I mean, there were a couple of times where he's sort of trailing the the semi secondary fast break, and he gets a wide open look from straight away. And we know he oh be, he'll hit that three. He shoots that three at a yeah. high percentage. His last season with Perth, he shot forty nine percent from three.
1: We don't win that championship without him.
0: No, absolutely not. Yeah. So yeah, look, I think there's probably a case to be made for that.
1: Mm. And he played really well in the last World Cup, too, in 2019, it's got to be said. So, yeah, very interesting to see what players make the NBA after these Olympics on all teams across all nations. Yeah. So it feels like a bit of an afterthought now, but the NBA finals are on. (laughs) We've had three games.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And they've been really good. Mm. It's got to be said. Let's start with a big question. How frigging shocked were you to see Giannis walk out in game one?
1: Look, I'll be honest, I thought he should have been kept out, but the way he performed in the warm-ups suggested that he absolutely should have played. And, okay, he wasn't 100%, but he wasn't James Harden for Brooklyn the first time he came back. So, yeah, he absolutely should have played, and he
0: played pretty well. I don't think it even looked like he'd hurt himself. No, I know, I but, know. Like, there's been some times where he's kind of come up a bit gimpy, but...
1: Yeah, there was one in the second second or third quarter where he showed a little sign of weakness. And, look, he didn't have as good a game as he did in games two and three, but, yeah, he was he was very important.
0: I was actually more surprised to hear the boos from the Phoenix fans. That was
1: really disappointing.
0: Was I understand the
1: counting. Yeah. I understand the counting of the free throws, but why? Why do you have to boo a guy every time he touched the ball? Now luckily that didn't persist. But yeah, to start the game, but that like, was what's, poor.
0: Well that Went on for a, a lot of game one I, yeah. I don't understand Like what has Giannis done Maybe about?
1: the first half of game one Yeah I know I know I know what You don't want a guy You're booing because he got injured In his play Like why did, Why are you even booing Did he punch a little What girl did he do Or something Yeah yeah I don't get it
0: Speaking of a little girl Actually I saw this little girl When they were doing the the Close-ups of the crowd Counting while he was shooting The free throws This little girl She would have been like seven And she looked like She was expelling a demon <laughs> She had like <laughs> Eyes were all crossed And she's like <laughs> Arms over the air Like <laughs> ten! Ten! Uh,
1: Can- the crowd were loving it, yeah, and the it was, casual fans were loving it too. Yeah. I've got to say, I pulled out the stopwatch on a number of occasions through the first two games, and it's close to ten.
0: It, it is close. I don't think it's, it's egregious. It's no. Nah.
1: I think there's got to be a margin for error, and I think it's. I'm I'm okay with it, to be honest.
0: So let's talk a little bit about game one, and and we could very well start with the free throws. We we did speak about that.
1: Oh, the Suns. Historical.
0: 25 of 26 in the first game. Milwaukee, 9 of 16. So that's a a huge discrepancy to start with. But yes, you're right. They're shooting at a historical level. They only missed their first free throw with like a minute left in the game. Jake Crowder, I
1: think, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: I think it might have been. So so 16 extra points in a 13-point game. Oh, yeah, huge. Which is very interesting. Absolutely. The big difference for me in that game, though, it's got to be Chris Paul. He put on a fucking clinic in that game.
1: Oh, yeah. And they they were loving it when they saw Lopez and, to a lesser extent, Tucker at the top there. They were going to dine and, on him.
0: And Bobby Portis as well. Bobby Portis. Oh,
1: I thought Bobby Portis did a decent job of keeping guys in front of him.
0: Decent, yes. But keeping a guy in he front of him He was contesting. You, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, every single time they ran that pick and roll. And it, it was kind of like watching the end of the closeout game against the Clippers. Where Chris Paul was just getting to his spot. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And Those two games back to back were very, very good. I mean, career games for him, really, yeah. you know, in the top ten of his career games. Let's face it.
0: And it's like if he couldn't get past the player, you mentioned Bobby has managed to keep himself in front of Chris Paul. He was just getting to that elbow and hitting, you know, fifteen footers.
1: Well, he had sixteen points on six or seven in the third, yeah. and that's and that's basically what won the game.
0: Yeah, they're getting whatever they want. The, the only time the Bucs were actually able to make any kind of a move was when Paul was on the bench. And I will ask this question as well. Did you hear that he actually tore ligaments in his hand in Game 3 of the Western Conference semifinals?
1: I knew that he's had hand issues, and I've seen him grimacing about his hand on a number of occasions. Oh, both hands at one stage or another, actually. He's
0: torn ligaments. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he's playing that Well, he ball. wants the championship. So, yeah, look, a couple of big things, I guess, from that game. DeAndre Ayton became the first guy with 15 points and 15 rebounds in his finals debut since Duncan in 1999. Also, just the second guy on debut with 20 points at 70% shooting and 15 rebounds, joining a guy named Kareem.
1: And also, with 2015 on 80% shooting, he joined Wilt Russell and Kareem, who also did it on debut.
0: And Chris Paul stole his 20th rebound at the buzzer as well. <laughs> that, that was a shame. Uh. A couple other things. Jay Crowder, the, probably the best O of 8 game you'll ever see. His importance is immeasurable right now.
1: It's funny you say that. So so when the Suns, so obviously they played really well in the bubble. They were definitely a team on the rise. And they got Chris Paul. And I, and I knew it'd be important, but I thought, mm, it's not enough. They're missing another player. Jay Crowder turns out to be that other yeah. player, it seems.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, I said that right from the start. He yeah. is one of those guys you want. Yeah, you know, So John-
1: important player. Yeah. Player.
0: Cam Johnson keeps shooting the ball
1: amazingly. And he's doing a master's thesis, by the way. What an impressive young man he is. Wow. Yeah, they mentioned it in commentary during the game.
0: she's the sort of guy you'd want to bring home. <laughs> with oh, he is with a very impre- He's, he's going to earn
1: himself some money. So he, he He's will. playing really well.
0: Unfortunately, the sour note from that game was Dario Saric tearing up his knee, which it's not great. Oh, it's
1: huge. That's really big. If Aiden gets in foul trouble... Not having Sarich there, I mean Kaminsky's clearly shown he's not really nah, up to Frank it. Frank
0: the tank is not up to it. Yeah,
1: so so yeah, that's that's big actually. And and look, we've got to mention that D Vincenzo is a big out for Milwaukee too. Yep. I think he averaged what 10, 6, and 3 in the regular season. Something so like pretty that, yeah. important role play. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So so I think the injury is probably fairly balanced amongst both teams. Yeah.
0: Now, before we get to game two, how's this for a fun fact? The team that scored first in the last four finals have all lost.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The Bucks scored first. There you go. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Mm. I think the interesting thing to me about game one and game two for that matter, but it started after game one, was all this stuff about Milwaukee. I thought they only lost by 10. Like they didn't look that bad. And look, I'm a big believer in a series doesn't begin until the road team wins or game seven. Anything can happen in the game seven if it's gone to home teams prior to that. Mm. I I was not worried about Milwaukee at all, especially how good Giannis looked after the injury. I was amazed at the negative comments about Milwaukee after game one.
0: I think the negativity was probably more justified by the end of game two. And the reason for that is, obviously, yeah, Giannis played out of his skin in game two. I mean, God, second play of the game, he takes three dribbles from the opposing three-point line and dunks the ball. He's obviously... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's fine. Yeah first 40.10 rebound finals game in franchise history. Now admittedly, not many games, but still a pretty impressive stat.
1: Well, how's this? He already has more 40-point finals games than KD, Steph, Kobe, Duncan, Bird, Malone, Kareem and Wilt. And then, along with Rick Barry, Iverson and Willis Reed, he's third all-time on finals points mm. after after a few games. So, I mean, and 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 going along with all of the counting on the free throws and the injury What an impressive performance this has been already.
0: Yeah, and like his third quarter. So he had 20 points in the third quarter, most points in a finals quarter since Jordan had 22 on the Suns in 1993.
1: Funny enough, the Suns, People
0: people taking it to him. Yeah. But he had this look about him that basically said, fuck this, I'm not going down without a fight. He He wants to win. And he just, he took over. Yep. But it's the other players, It's like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were 5 of 24 in the first half of that game. Yeah. They had a ton of good looks. You often hear, you know, it's a make or miss league. And they just missed. Like 12 of 37, they finished the game out. Holiday was 11 of 35 in the first two games, basically shooting the same percentages as Eric Bledsoe did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. And
0: it's, it's obviously the defense that you get yeah. in that sets them apart. But
1: and, and really, I think it was fairly clear throughout these playoffs that Milwaukee's success was probably going to be dependent on Middleton and Holiday having four good games out of seven in a series. But the, the trick is you've got to have your good players having the good games at the same time because if they're not if they're not happening in the same games, then you're in a bit of trouble. How's this? Paul and Booker's 113 combined points was the most by any starting backcourt in the first two games of finals since starters were tracked in 1971. Funnily enough, the last time Milwaukee won the NBA
0: championship. <laughs> well done.
1: But what a start to them. And it's got to be said, the tides turned in game three partly because Holiday and Middleton played better and Booker and Paul played worse.
0: Well, I mean, Paul played okay, but yeah, Booker absolutely stunk it up in Game yeah, 3. Yeah, Just before we get to Game 3, I did want to just kind of ask you one question, though. Like, I know, obviously, yeah, glass half full is not the way to go with this, but did you ever actually feel like Milwaukee were going to get back into Game 2 properly?
1: The problem for me is I've watched every game knowing the result. So, oh, okay, so yeah. I haven't watched it with fresh eyes. No, that's um, fair and, and that's why I was surprised after game one. I heard all this negativity and I thought, jeez, it's only game one and they're on the road. Yeah, okay. But yeah, yeah, they, he had a shot to bring it down to two. So I, I think that I, if I'd been a Milwaukee fan after the first two games, I would have said to myself, would have liked to have got one, but we're in this. Hmm. We are right in this, especially after the Sarich injury.
0: And game three, absolutely, you know, that it speaks to that. Yep. You had DeAndre Ayton absolutely dominate early in the pick and roll with Chris Paul. But,
1: Before he got in foul trouble.
0: But this is the thing. As soon as he has to go to the bench and Devin Booker was just forcing way too much stuff. Yeah, Booker didn't play very well. Look what happens. Giannis is a facilitator early and then he explodes. He has more free throws than the Suns have on his own. He actually hit a few as well, 13 of 17. Yeah, he
1: shot well from the line.
0: So good percentage. And yeah, he ends up with a 40-point game, which as you mentioned puts him... Ahead of so many great players. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I've got something on this, tree. The Suns fans said, it's bullshit. The Bucs went to the line far too often. The Bucks fans said, well, you're fouling Janus every time he touches the ball within a certain area. You're hacking him, basically.
0: Also game one.
1: I think the truth was somewhere in the middle. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, game, game one, I just mentioned, they shot a bunch more free throws than what Milwaukee did. And you
1: can expect to get more calls at home Absolutely, you can. But did you see the scratches on Janice's arms after game two? Yeah. Like he's got big-ass scratches on his arms. So there's stuff that's not being called too, I think.
0: Yeah. So what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So I think this really is in a fascinating position. So we've got game four happening tomorrow morning as we record. Yeah. I think this is going to still go six. I think there is a distinct possibility that it could go seven, but I, I'm still leaning towards the Suns in six.
1: I think the momentum shifted to the Bucks. I expect them to win tomorrow.
0: I still think the home court advantage plays into Phoenix's hands, and I think they'll get game five, But I and I think it's just going to be one of those performances in game six where someone is going to get hot. It so it you be...
1: think Phoenix will win on, on Milwaukee's I, court?
0: I do. Okay. I, I think one of their players, whether it be Paul, whether it be Booker, one of them is going to get hot.
1: What do you make of the extra day off? Normally the game would have been today, but because of the MLB All-Star game, they pushed it back a day. But who does it benefit? Do you (sighs) think, because the Milwaukee Bucks had a lot of momentum after winning by 20. They probably would have liked to have played today.
0: Yeah, it probably benefits Phoenix. It gives them a little bit more time to rest and sort of get recuperated after that loss. and gives them more time to prepare, I guess, for what sort of adjustments they're going to make. But... Look, it's the NBA Finals. Just got, you got to just get up for it.
1: The two keys to me. Giannis should play centre as much as possible and try and get as many shots near the ring as much as possible. Aiton needs to stay out of foul trouble.
0: I think the key for Phoenix is turning Giannis into a scorer. That's going to sound weird, but when he facilitates early, and, and this is something that a lot of great players have done. Jordan, quite often in the first quarter, used to try and get other guys involved. LeBron's done it a number of times. You get all of your players going early. And then when the time comes, you put the foot down and you and dominate.
1: And it seems Middleton and Holiday play better at home too. And most role players tend to play better at home. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I am fascinated to see what game four throws up tomorrow. Oh, they've
1: got to limit Giannis' shots around the ring. Otherwise, the, it, this will be too all, I reckon.
0: I think it will be regardless. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Now, there has been a massive week in NBL free agency. A yes. lot of big moves, a lot of big re-signings and signings. So. Yeah, yeah. We will talk about those next week, though, when there's a little bit less going on in the international world. Um, But, yeah, looking forward to unwrapping all of that next week. And on that
1: NBL connection, very quick congratulations to Jamal Mosley, former Victoria Titans player, who is now the head coach of the Orlando Magic. Yeah, four-year deal. That is massive. Yeah, seems to be standard.
0: Impressive. Thanks for listening to this Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter, at Sportblokes.